Hey, welcome to Conversations with my dear friend, Jeff Conway. My name is Susan. This is A Different Kind of Walk. Ooh, <laughs> nice tie. You know, I always showed up at Bill's house after church, so I usually had my tie on. I never took it off. Hang on. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, my friend, Bill. Well, hello. And Susan, nice to meet you. Hi, it's very nice to meet you, too. Yeah. Susan has been my great partner doing this, which has been crazy helpful. So I put a tie on for you today because I usually showed up at your place with a tie. So, mm. I never, I'm usually in my PJs um, at this time of day. Well, <laughs> not when we do Zoom calls, though, too. I don't think I've done one in, well, have I? Probably. I, I think you have. Huh? Uh, well, not not with like, just with me, not with like a bunch of other people, but yeah. Because yeah. I'm either in bed or this chair. So yeah, one way mm-hmm. or the other. So we just had our first grand child born on Tuesday. So Charlotte Marie. Jeff, congratulations. That's beautiful news. Yeah. In my opinion, that that counts as a major milestone for a human being is having a grandchild. So you did it. Well done. Well, welcome back to A Different Kind of Walk. We are going to be talking about spiritual direction today. And so as such, we have a lovely guest that we are very excited to talk about, Bill Haley. He is actually um, has actually been Jeff's spiritual director for the last 10 years. So I'm excited to meet him and hear his story and learn more about spiritual direction. So welcome, Bill. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Tell us a little bit about your story. Where are you from? Like, what's your spiritual journey? How did you get into spiritual direction in the first place? Those sorts of things. Sure. You know, I had never heard about spiritual direction until, oh, it's either late college or early seminary. Um, I grew up in fundamentalist Christian circles or evangelical circles. And I was, I was reading this little prayer book that had a prayer in it from a guy named Henry Nowen. Mm. And I had never heard of Henry Nowen. And, um, and this, with, this prayer was along the lines of his sort of heartfelt plea of, he imagines seeing himself on one side of a ravine. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm so good at pointing people about what's on the other side of the ravine and helping them get there themselves. But I wonder if I myself am ever mm. going to get to the side of the ravine that I want to be on and that I'm so good at talking about it. I thought, man, that is really honest. Who is this guy? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, found a book by him called The Genesee Diary, which was a diary that he kept when he was uh, doing a long spiritual retreat. And um, <clears throat> and he kept on talking about his spiritual director. And I had never heard of that. I had been mentored. I had been discipled, um, but I'd never even heard of spiritual direction. So that really began me down the path of, I would say, not just, not just curiosity about spiritual direction, but actually probably even an a sort of introduction to the whole contemplative, contemplative life, you know, a different way of being with God in the world. Um, so, so uh, growing up, as I mentioned, was in Wheaton, Illinois, which uh, I grew up there in the seventies, I think 
some of the eighties, I suppose. And, uh, you know, that is, that is, that is a place well known for its evangelical credentials. Um, and so, uh, so I was well steeped in that. And I went off to college in Minnesota at Bethel university and then seminary, um, at Gordon Conwell. And then I did a lot of international travel. Yeah, that's right. We share that, don't we? That's right. <laughs> um, and then I did a lot of international travel for about a year and a half traveling around the world. And, and that really helped open my eyes to the, not only the reality of the world, but also the breadth of the Christian tradition and mm-hmm. that there are other Christian traditions that had riches in them that I was unfamiliar with because I hadn't been exposed to them. And spiritual direction being one of those things. Before yeah. you're traveling, what was your spiritual base? Was yeah. it still in that mm-hmm. evangelical tradition? Was it a certain denomination? Was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my parents were Plymouth Brethren, which um, is sort of so separatistic. Very few people have ever heard of it. <laughs> um, and so, but then in high school and college, I gravitated more towards the Baptist tradition, not because of any sort of convictions or anything, but rather because that's where my friends were and that's what my college was and so on. So by the time I graduated from seminary, I would have, I would have been firmly in like a reformed Baptist sort of camp. Um okay. Plymouth Brethren, is that the same as Brethren in Christ? No, different? It's different, yeah. In fact, I'm not even so sure how to describe it. It was an offshoot of a British denomination. Um, okay. So, and there are a lot of different churches called Brethren, and it's it's yeah. it, it would just be it's like a small offshoot that really um, is all about the Bible and all about trying to do stuff the way that the early church would and very pietistic. Um, hmm. a very significant emphasis on personal piety. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So then you traveled. So then I traveled. Yeah, I sure traveled. And I realized, both realized and came away with, away with the conviction of, about the scandal of division mm-hmm. amongst Christians. And that it, not just a scandal, but it's really, um, it's like, man, the world is so broken. And we're busy, we're busy spending time talking about why other Christians are wrong. Mm-hmm. It, you know, totally takes our eyes off the ball of being about the work of Jesus in the world. Um, And also, and also to realize too, that, you know, that every, every Christian tradition has something to offer to the body of Christ. So I've really been grateful to over the years, just be able to learn from a lot of different uh, Christian traditions. As I like to say, how many, how many churches are there? How many churches (laughs) are there actually on the planet? And, you know, we could talk about denominations or whatever, but then I'll just say there's one there's only one. <laughs> There's only one. You're talking about our last podcast, so that's great. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's blending right in. Yeah. So that's very good. Where did you actually travel during yeah. that time period? That's a great, that's a fun question. So the the ostensible purpose of the trip was to uh, become a better preacher. And I decided... <laughs> with counsel that what would make me a better preacher was if I saw some of the things I'd always wanted to do. <laughs> um, so I volunteered with youth with a mission in Amsterdam, working with heroin addicts and homeless folks, uh, volunteered with an organization in London, working with homeless folks in the street, um, studied in Israel and Palestine uh, for two months, studied the Bible and got to, um, <clears throat> got to see the complexity of the situation in the Holy Land and come away with a real heart for peace in that place, as well as a real affinity for um Palestinian Christians, because there are a lot, 
And, mm-hmm. and, and I'll, I, 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 when I'm with the Palestinian evangelical, I, I barely, I wonder if I'm even a Christian at all. Um, mm-hmm. Because so the, just their, their commitment to the way of Christ amidst such tremendous oppression. Um, I mean, they've thought about, they thought about Jesus's love your enemies quite a bit, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they get to exercise that on a daily basis. And then from Israel to uh, uh, travel overground across India, mm-hmm. um, starting in New Delhi up into the Himalayas and then across to Varanasi into Calcutta. And in Calcutta was really the the apex of the trip, which which was to volunteer with missionaries of charity uh, in Calcutta and with Mother Teresa and did that for about six weeks. And it's just a profoundly formative experience. And then uh, trucking in the Himalayas, a little bit of missions work in Thailand, and then back to the States. It was, it was, a, it was a good trip. At the end of the day, I realized very early that it was actually a pilgrimage. Yeah. Fundamentally a pilgrimage. It was a journey with God to find God. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a true father-son trip. Mm. And so you guys know all about pilgrimage. Right, Jeff? <laughs> That's right. I, I don't know if you know, I made it again. So I, I was I was pushed in the wheelchair the last 70 miles of the Camino. So, yeah, that was great. One of my, you know, one of my, a, a sweet spiritual direction session that I remember um, was with you, Jeff, right before you did your Camino. I don't know if it was your first time. Was that the first time you were doing it? Yeah, in 17 yeah. Yeah. And I remember, I remember our conversation, of course, but I very much remember giving you a, a special little um, enamelware mug, you know, that was connected to this place, Corhaven, where we live, which I can talk about later. And I remember, I remember doing Eucharist on the back deck with the wine in that little ceramic enamelware mug that I knew that you would be taking on the Camino. Right. Um, so yeah, I'd be, I, I, I love, I love doing spiritual direction with people who are about to undertake a big old journey. So, yeah, I mean, that was one of our shorter sessions together, but that was one of the most dynamic sessions together. The first would be the first time we met and you were shocked that I hadn't taken communion in so long. Mm-hmm because of the celiac issue and mm-hmm. red and all that kind of stuff. And you just stormed out of the room we were in and said, follow me and I'm following <laughs> you. And we go down to the kitchen and um, we had communion together and it was beautiful, just absolutely stunningly beautiful. And I said, there's something different about this guy. I need to meet with him. Yeah, so that was pretty powerful. You also gave me a prayer, mm. uh, which I think is Merton, not Nowen. I'd be happy to read it because I, I have it nearby. Would you like me to read it? Yeah, grab ah, it. Let great. me go grab it. But because this is this is one of the most uh, one of the most this is a very beautiful, powerful insightful prayer. Be right back. That actually reminds me of um, I mean it's been turned into a song, but there's was called Bonhoeffer's prayer, like Bonhoeffer. I know you know who that is, but Bonhoeffer the was a Christian and theologian and teacher in during uh, World War II, and he has this prayer that's just like, "Lord, I do not understand your ways, but you know the way for me." 
and it's been turned into a song that we sing at church and I really like it. But anyway, go ahead. Mm-hmm. It's very much the same spirit of this, this prayer by Thomas Merton. It says, my Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Hmm. Amen. Amen. have to be walking 500 miles to be mm-hmm. on a journey that that prayer is talking about. That's right. No, that's right. In fact, not only does one not have to be walking 500 miles to be on a journey with God, actually <laughs> the harder and in fact, more thrilling and more beautiful journey with God is the interior journey. Um, and you don't even have to leave your house for that. Right. So let's start talking about that. Okay. How would you describe spiritual direction as opposed to a counseling session, Mm -hmm. Christian counseling session with somebody? Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me, uh, let me start that with a, with a longer discussion of what spiritual direction actually is. Um, and then I think that'll help, that'll help us understand what it's not and how it's different from some of the other companioning ministries. So spiritual direction is a very, um, very ancient ministry that emerges from the life of the church. It, it, it derives, you know, the, it really derives from the third and fourth centuries in Egypt with the desert fathers and the desert mothers. Um, what happened is that those folks would go off into the desert to pursue, uh, a deeper life with God, um, away from the, um, distractions and temptations of more urban life. And so they do that, right? They left everything to follow God into the wilderness and, <laughs> and they, they got to know God and then people came to understand that they knew God. And so people would journey out to them to meet with them, to talk about whatever they want to talk about. So the first mm-hmm. spiritual directors were the desert fathers and mothers who were sought out for their wisdom about, about life with God and their assistance in life with God. Um, all that to say is it's a very ancient practice and ministry that was preserved and amplified, I think, in the more liturgical Christian traditions. And it's really a misnomer. Mm-hmm. Spiritual direction is profoundly not directive. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, um, really what the spiritual director is, is somebody who is familiar with the ways of God, who is familiar with the spiritual life, who is familiar with the scripture, who is familiar with the variety of spiritual practices, who is familiar with sort of general psychology, um, that person, um, and also I should say has been trained as a spiritual director, that person 
comes alongside another person and helping them discern the activity of God in their life or in their circumstances. Um, and so there's a heck of a lot of listening, right? Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's not a, yeah, it's not uncommon for me to, if I'm doing a session of spiritual direction, it's not uncommon for me to probably listen 85% of the time, right? And ask a lot of questions or try to tease out something. Um, and so really the locus of discernment in a spiritual direction session is on the directee. Mm-hmm. Like ultimately you're helping them be able to discern as opposed to myself discerning on their behalf. So the the images that my preferred images, and by the way, you're going to have to ask me about my own spiritual director because that makes me really happy to talk about. I'll say that for for later too. But my two favorite images for spiritual direction is that of a midwife um, mm-hmm. and that of a hospice nurse. So, you know, in both cases, well, let's just start with a midwife. A midwife is somebody who comes alongside a woman who is pregnant and on her way to having a baby. And the midwife is simply there for accompaniment and assistance and to help calm the anxiety of the pregnant person, (laughs) as well as to be aware of when something feels off or Mm -hmm. off kilter. Um, Somebody who is familiar with the stages of birth and delivery, right? But But what I love about that image is the hospice, I'm sorry, the midwife is not the one who's having the baby, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And the midwife can't make it happen any faster than it's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they walk alongside. Uh, and then in that of a hospice nurse, similarly, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's somebody who accompanies someone on their journey towards death and helping them navigate that in a way that removes the anxiety from it. And perhaps even in a way that can encounter God more in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for in, in the spiritual life, um, going through the process of the death of self mm-hmm. can feel like a real dying. Yeah. It can feel like a real dying. And it is really helpful to have somebody walking alongside who knows when to freak out and when not to freak out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As well as as well as somebody who is seasoned enough, wise enough, knows the ways of God enough to be able to say something like, hold on. I know this is hard. God is at work. And on the other side of, of death is resurrection. Mm-hmm. So hold on. It's going to be all right. You know, so, yeah. Yeah particularly just becoming a grandfather two days ago. Those are beautiful images. Yeah, perfect. Um, So just go back a little bit. So why is this different than Christian counseling? Sure. Well, one of them is you're probably, you're probably being charged a fee for the Christian counselor. A (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's a little bit cheeky, but, uh, (laughs) but most spiritual direction, operates more on a donation sort of basis. Uh, it's not a, it's not a thing that's really designed to be, a, be your full-time job, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's different than that, but that's, that's, that's not the greatest place to start. That was a cheeky place to start. I apologize. <laughs> Let me start from a better place. Um, I like it when you're cheeky. <laughs> um, so yeah. So what is the difference between spiritual direction and let's just say mentoring, discipleship, counseling, None of these things are bad. None of these other helping sort of categories are bad. They all have their place. They all have their place. 
And in fact, the combination of spiritual direction with counseling is very, very powerful. Um, in this, in the case of counseling, you see a counselor because you want them to help fix something. Um, and then, you know, you have your sessions and once that issue is resolved, then you stop seeing them. Mm -hmm. Generally, generally speaking. Um, and that's fine. They have a, they have a knowledge base that can help you with an identified issue in your life. Um, discipling is you're trying to help somebody else follow Jesus better, right? Or know the Bible better. Um, and so that really is what the focus is, is, um, is that, is that particular, uh, journey in terms of mentoring, it could, you know, it could be about anything really. You could be being mentored in lots of things. It could be just even life on life, but in all three of the, in all three of those other categories, mentoring, discipleship, counseling, it's, it's uh, sort of a, a, what I call the, a jug to mug philosophy. Mm. That is you go to a person who's got a big jug of wisdom or they've got a big jug of knowledge something that you want them to offer you and they pour that into your little mug so that you have some of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And spiritual direction, as I mentioned, is much more about, no, somebody is coming alongside you to help you listen to God. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to fix something. They're not trying to teach you something. They're not trying to indoctrinate you in a particular way of following Jesus. They are helping you pay attention to God's movements in your life and helping you be able to identify that with confidence. And so by virtue of that, again, all of those other relationships kind of have a sort of a bit of a natural ending. You know, when the discipleship course is done, you quit the discipleship relationship. When the mentor has communicated all that they can, then that might shift to something else. When the problem is fixed, you stop seeing the counselor. Whereas spiritual direction, um, it can it it can go on for a very long time um, because, of course, our journey with God is never done. And so, Jeff, you mentioned that I had been your spiritual director for over 10 years. Yeah. And my spiritual director, Father James, um, I love saying this. It's amazing. We just celebrated, not, we didn't celebrate it, but we just noticed our 25 year anniversary. Wow. Yeah. 25 wow. years. Have I been seeing Father James as my spiritual director? And how was, often? So how often? Um, it's variable. Uh, early on in those years, I probably saw him four to six, eight weeks, maybe mm. um, probably more like six weeks. And then um, every month, every other month, there've been times when it's once a quarter, mm. there have been years where it was two or three times only. Right. Mm. And then there have been seasons. There have been seasons where it's like every three weeks. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's, in other words, that it's, it's very variable. Um, and he is responding to when I reach out to him, this is very important, actually. You know, he doesn't he doesn't come and say, hey, it's been it's been a month. Let's get together. He is trusting that the spirit can nudge me for when it is when it's time for our next session. Right. Mm -hmm. Which I love that. So mm -hmm. as a spiritual director, I never chase people. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I'm trusting I'm trusting God. I'm trusting that God knows how to put that on their screen for um for them to reach out about that. So, but yeah, <laughs> but like I said, there are seasons in life where it was, it was more frequent because there was more going on and I needed help discerning. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So you became an Anglican priest or an Episcopalian priest? Yeah, for... I, I was, I, be, I was, I became an Anglican priest way back in the mid two thousands. Okay. Okay. And that's when you were in falls church. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And you don't live there anymore. No, that's right. You live with a bunch of cows and pigs and chickens and cats and dogs and a wife and children. Mm-hmm. Am I missing something? Monkeys? No monkeys, not yet. Um, no, monkeys. no, you're not missing anything. You're not, so ac- you're not, a- you're not accurate about everything, but you're not missing anything. Okay. I'll, I'll call, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll correct the, the inaccuracies here in a second, but yeah, from, so yeah, in, in the mid two thousands, I did become an Anglican priest, but at that time I was actually, my wife and I were planting a church in the inner city of Washington, DC. Um, mm-hmm. And that's actually, that's actually important to say, <laughs> like that is that, um, uh, however it is that we've ended up where we are now um, my wife's and my passions and our relational start happened in the inner city of Washington, DC um, in a more blighted section of the city amongst, amongst the urban poor. Like that's, that's actually our heart. Um, and um, uh, you know, for all this sort of mystical talk about spiritual direction and stuff like that, I just, I never want to lose sight of the fact that ultimately that stuff is going to work itself out in actual action for the sake of others right Mm -hmm. and um and 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 particularly those who who have less confidence that the god of the universe is paying attention to them Mm. going back you and your wife planted a church did that happen is it continuing today what church is that yeah it is um yeah it did happen and it continues on uh church is called saint brendan's in the city um And um, it currently meets up on Capitol Hill. But uh, when I was the rector of it, um, we started out in our living room. And then when we had outgrown our living room, um, God in his mercy gave us the perfect place to meet. And it was the, we ended up meeting for quite a few years in the, um, in the chapel of a homeless mission, mm-hmm. uh, Central Union Mission in downtown DC. And so, um, you know, it was just such... <laughs> It, it was just, it was just a beautiful way to have instant diversity you mm-hmm. know, of, of all different, of all different sorts. Right. Um, uh, with the exception of gender diversity, because it was a homeless mission for men, but uh, yeah, so it was really beautiful. We got, we got a, our, our we got this, this at the very beginning, it kind of looked like, Oh, look, you know, different kinds of people being together um, in worship and at the table. And it was just really lovely. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's still, still going on. Nice. Um, so, so yeah, so, but then, uh, God surprised us in 2009 with an invitation to purchase a 17 acre property in Virginia, Shenandoah Valley. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and there wasn't a lot of clear vision, but there was a very clear sense that the Lord was in it. And so not knowing where that path would lead, we said yes to it. And, uh, 13, 14 years later, um, even from the very beginning, it was a place where people would come out and meet with me for spiritual direction or for have spiritual retreats. But then over time, that just significantly developed so that Core Haven, which is what the name of our property is called, has really has really grown into a very beautiful and powerful place for spiritual retreat and spiritual direction for a lot of people. Um, and so Core Haven, um, if you break that word apart, um, core is Latin for heart and haven is a safe place a shelter so core haven is a safe place for the heart or a shelter for the soul um and where where you're not entirely accurate jeff is you are right we in the past have had pigs and have had chickens 
and have had uh, cows, but at the moment we don't have any of those things. But we do have two dogs and three cats. Oh my gosh, you don't have chickens anymore? We don't have chickens anymore. I know, right? With egg prices the way they are right now, that was really <laughs> short-sighted on our part. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was your favorite directee out of all the years that mm-hmm. you've been directing? Mm-hmm. Well, Jeff, I know the answer. Well, that'll be me. I'll go ahead and answer that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, you have, you have multiple children and I'm sure you've got that question from them too, about who's your favorite. So you might remember the response. You can help me with my response. I love you all equally. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, but you know what? That's a very fun question, actually. I'll try to answer it. My favorite directee. My favorite directee is not a person. Rather, it's a type. Mm. It's the person who just is brave enough. They're brave enough to go deep on the journey and to stay on it even Mm -hmm. when it's hard, even when it's confusing, even when it's disorienting, you know, they're brave enough to stay on that deeper spiritual journey. Um, knowing, knowing, knowing that Jesus is with them, Mm -hmm. you know? So So that leads to a question of frustration for me. Mm -hmm. I found a number of people in church who were asking for more Mm -hmm. and more than I could give time-wise because a pastor of a 1500 member church can't be a spiritual director to each member of the congregation and run the church and do all the things. But I offered this path to a number of people and they would get excited at first and then back away. Mm -hmm. And that surprised me. Mm -hmm. There's not a question in there. I guess there is a question in there, but I'm not asking you a question. Yeah. You know, I, I get that. I I understand that frustration. Um, Just a couple of, couple of scattershot comments relative to everything you just said. First of all, you're right. Very few churches are set up to assist people on that sort of deeper journey this way. I mean, because my observation is that churches oftentimes send so much of their resources pulling off Sunday mornings (laughs) that, Mm -hmm. um, that there's not always, there's not always the opportunity or the bandwidth to do what the pastor would like done or would want to see done. So it's not, there's no fault there, but, but it's hard. You're right. It's harder in churches to find this sort of accompaniment or this sort of formation program. But the fact is, and this is, again, this is not critique. It's not mean spirited, but it's like the majority of people in the pews aren't always oriented toward like this, that really specific, narrow, deeper, spiritual life that we're talking about here and that's okay (laughs) it's okay um 
But what, what I've appreciated over these many years is getting to work with the folks who do want it, you know, mm-hmm. like it's been a, a guilty privilege actually that if we're uh, interacting with somebody via the ministry that we're, we lead called Coracle, if they're, if they're involved with Coracle immediately, you know, they want to go deeper with God and are willing to sacrifice to get there. Otherwise they don't show up, mm-hmm. you know? So for, as an example of this retreat center that we have, it's an hour and a half outside of Washington, DC. Whenever anybody shows up here for either spiritual direction or a personal spiritual retreat, they've already driven an hour and a half to two to get here. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that tells you that, that their, you know, their own spiritual journey is a very high priority or their own relationship with God is a much higher priority. And what I've seen over the years, and this is so beautiful is that God shows up for them mm-hmm. again and again and again and again in very powerful and oftentimes unexpected ways. And why is that? Um, because, and I think about me and my own kids, it's like, man, if my 19 year old son would be like, Hey, Hey dad, I'm going to drive two hours to be with you. And I don't really have much of an agenda. I just want to be together and spend some time. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to show up to him. <laughs> I'm going to love on him because like, man, that, that, you know, and I see the very same dynamic here. Um, so we realized that all we're doing here is we're just creating the space for creating space for people to meet God and then making it available and then getting out of the way. Right. Yeah. Driving to your place in the fall is the most beautiful thing to do <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Going through the Shenandoah Valley there with the trees. But I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, let me just pause on that because of course a person doesn't, you know, coming from Philly, it's four, four and a half hours. It's a long haul. Um, mm-hmm. But um but I also know that there are beautiful places for spiritual retreat outside of Philadelphia yep. or inside of Philadelphia. In fact, yes. wherever, wherever your listeners are, yeah. wherever your listeners are hearing this, there's probably some sort of place for spiritual retreat within 25 to 30 miles. Yeah, there's one right across the street from where Jeff and I used to work called Dalesford Abbey. It's a really interesting one. And then I recently discovered one called Fern Rock Retreat. It's in green lane pennsylvania it's kind of in the middle of nowhere it's really beautiful and there's like a little stream that goes through it and everything um but speaking of meetings and god showing up where did you two meet and why were you why were you in the same place yeah so i was um so yeah so this was at a retreat center called bon secours in baltimore and um the, the ministry of the Transforming Center, led by Ruth Haley Barton, was doing their two-year program in Baltimore. Usually, she does that program in Chicago, but they were experimenting with doing it in Baltimore. And uh, because um, because I live here on the East Coast, it made me it, it made me available to be able to participate and serve as well. And so it was just a very very is a very sweet opportunity for me, as you might imagine. Um, and so uh, and so it also made it possible for Jeff to be there because Baltimore is a lot closer to Philly than. Chicago. So mm-hmm. it was in the context of that. And so, um, so the way that that worked was that there were several spiritual directors there and we each were seeing like four people. And so somebody put their name down on a piece of paper and then you met with them. Okay. Right. That was it. So again, just the whole sort of random nature of that very first meeting, it was of course not random. It was providential. And, and as we, as, as of course we would come to find out, you don't know you don't know until retrospect how the Lord is working in something. Right. Um, but uh, you know, there's that old, I think it's a Buddhist saying um, who knows, 
like when the student is ready, the master appears. Yeah. I think I, I, I would really, I would really, I would really qualify that and say, when the soul is ready, the spirit appears. Mm. And so Jeff, in your case, in that time, you know, you signed up for a spiritual direction session because it was recommended, right. Or because it was available. Um, right. And, and yet I'm sure you didn't know, I didn't know how the Lord was going to end up using that, but clearly you were ready and you were in, and not just ready, but you were needing. And, and so the Lord then says, look at my son, Jeff, who is ready for further on the journey and is actually needing something new for his journey. Look at him. Look at his heart for me. Look at how much he loves me. Look at how, look at how he doesn't know what to get next for his whatever. I'm going to A, put him in this program and B, lead him to somebody who can be helpful. Right. You know? mm-hmm. Which is just awesome to, to think about the the specificity of God's love for us as individuals. Yep. Totally brilliant. Totally brilliant. So lastly, how do people look up Core Haven? How would people find you if they wanted to do a retreat or something? Yeah. So the name of uh, the name of the larger ministry is Coracle. C-O-R-A-C-L-E. It's an Irish word for a small boat that monks mm-hmm. would get in in order to be on pilgrimage and mission. Um, mm. and you can find out more about the ministry at our website in the And on that website, there will be information about the, the retreat space core Haven, um, which is out here in Virginia's Shenandoah Valley. Okay. Sounds great. 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 All righty. Well, Thanks. see you all again. And Jeff, I look forward to hearing from you. Peace. Yeah. Okay. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thanks for joining us for A Different Kind of Walk. Until next time, live well.